And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Jerry Jones joining us here, 105 through the fan. Uh, you know, I know you watch all the games, the Monday night games, if, if you guys aren't playing. Do you see a major gap between the Cowboys and, and where the Chiefs are right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I see, yes. I see a team that uh, is uh, clicking. They're the Super Bowl champs, and uh, they uh, look like they've gotten better. The running back is outstanding. I Watched him uh, live last year at LSU. With uh, I was watching my grandson play, uh, play him, and um, at that particular time, I loved him. I loved him in the draft, and obviously with uh, their quarterback, who's uh, uh, I think uh, uh, at the highest uh, uh, level right now. And uh, this guy's very uh, quick and elusive, and can get in and out of situations with his feet and by time. The quarterback we played uh, Sunday is of that kind of nature. He's very, uh, has great ability to get in and out and then uh, make the play. That play Dak made at the end of the game that got intercepted. Well, uh, uh, the result of Dak's ability that let him get that ball off was uh, uh, really great and outstanding. Well, these guys do that, uh, have that ability a lot. They are very quick-footed. And they're very, they have the unique ability to uh, possibly take their eyes uh, away from the field for a minute and then immediately focus back and see. Romo had that. And so uh, they could turn his back on it and turn around and hand eye and get it done quick. And so those are things that show up, and that's what's showing up with these guys. They're buying time with their feet. They're buying time with their instincts and their feet. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. The 1-2 and two Dallas Cowboys are set to host the 2-1 and one. Browns of Cleveland this weekend at the Death Star. Yes, your Cowboys are playing football this weekend. Very excited about that. We live to see another day. I'm also excited to preview this game. we got a lot to talk about. What's going on with this offensive line? We're going to figure that out. Maybe talk a little bit about what our ideal lineup would look like. And, of course, we're going to get picks, predictions, and all that in. But I want to remind you that uh, it's not too late. Cash that uh, dollar a month deal in at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. Get it. A dollar a month will get you access to The Athletic. can't believe I'm saying that and I'm not lying about it because that's an incredible offer, incredible deal. You need to cash that in. Pay your 12 bucks. Don't worry about it for the next year and uh, have a party with us over at The Athletic every day. Download the app. we got a lot of great new features on there. Uh, real-time feature. It's kind of like Twitter, you know, people chiming in on sports stuff all, all the time. we got a front page on there that's always trending with what's happening in, in the sports world. So go over to athletic.com slash about them Cowboys. Get that dollar a month deal. All right. Let's welcome in our experts from The Athletic. We've got both. Wow. Saad must have not had a tryout today. 
So Saad Yusuf is joining us, and of course, Father John Machete, and our host is Kevin KT Fun Games Turner. Love you, KT. Welcome back. Let's talk about this game. Yeah, thank you, Kent, uh, and I'm real excited to be here. This is a fun one, you know. Uh, now, now that the dust has settled from the Seattle game, you get a Cleveland team. It's not every year the Cowboys get to play the Browns, and uh, I'll be darned if the Browns aren't pretty fun. But uh, before we take a look at the uh, Cleveland Browns and uh, everything going on with them, who are two and one, by the way, to the Cowboys one and two, let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the Star. Now, Mike McCarthy, of course, as we say every week, is keeping everything uh, pretty uh, tight-lipped, almost like he's a spy and can't let information out in one of uh, the Mission Impossible movies or or something. I I don't know. I haven't seen any of those, but still. Um, John, we'll start with you. What in the world's happening with the Cowboys' injuries, specifically on the offensive line? Are we going to get Tyron? Are we going to get Lyle this week? I don't think we're getting Lyle anytime soon, so oh, no. we can uh, go a few more podcasts before we bring that subject back up. Um, I'll see you then. My worry, no. my worry with Lyle is is somewhat similar to going through last season with Tyrone Crawford, where he had a hip issue and he tried playing through it and it just never got better. And and generally, you put that off because you know once you get surgery, the season's done. So you hope that the guy can kind of play through it, and if there is a surgery needed, you can do it in the off season. So I think they're trying to work with Lyle to hopefully get that better in maybe a few weeks, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be anytime soon. Tyron Smith, though, I got better news there. I mean, he was out there, had his helmet on, was going through all the stretching, went through all the individual drills. He didn't technically practice in terms of on the practice report, but I thought that was a really good sign. That's the most we've seen him do in a couple weeks. So right now, I would say as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, I think Tyron's going to end up playing. Stephen Jones said uh, Monday on, on 105 through the fan that they, he was real close to playing this past Sunday, but they wanted to wait another week. So I think there's a good chance that Tyron ends up starting. It's really that right tackle spot that, you know, where you're like, uh, Zach Martin said today that he's going to stay at guard, even though he obviously played well at right tackle, he's probably would be their best right tackle. But, uh, I think that goes back to Terrence Steele. I know some people would like to see Brandon Knight there, but I think that's where you go there. I think Joe Looney goes back to center and, and Tyler Biotish goes back to being a backup. And, hey, this is all fluid. And one of these guys could go down or something could happen during the game and it goes back to what we saw last week where their plan wasn't for Zach Martin to play right tackle, but out of necessity he had to do that. In terms of other injuries in that, I thought it was funny when Kent just introduced Saad and talked about trying out for any teams. Well, if Saad huh. wants to play DB for the Cowboys, uh, he might want to be able to try out for them right now because – uh, DB is, is obviously not a great position for him. Um, Tray, Trayvon Diggs is on the injury report again, not only just with the shoulder, but now also a knee. Now it didn't keep him from practicing. He was a full go in practice, but it is an additional injury. And, you know, that's never good for who's clearly been your best DB and the guy with your most upsided defensive back. So, uh, the only guy in the 53 that wasn't out there today was Demarcus Lawrence, and he's been dealing with the knee issue, but he missed practice last week and still ended up playing in the game. So I envision Demarcus still playing on Sunday. I just think that it's going to be what we saw a lot this past Sunday, where Alden Smith is out there pretty much the whole game on the right edge, and then you see Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence kind of rotating in. Yeah, you know, look, it's uh, I, I knew this – with the Lyle thing, first of all, so before we throw it completely in the dumpster for six weeks, I was thinking about like how great he was last year 
And I'm not uh, shoehorning in Packers talk, I promise you, but I was watching the Sunday night game the other night, and Chris Collinsworth's like, the Packers got to decide if they're going to pay David Bakhtiari. And I was like, he's been healthy. Like, he tore his ACL one year, okay. I mean, you look at Tyron and you look at Lyle, and it is the injuries that they have. It's not just a knee. It's, we're talking about a back and with Tyron a neck. We're talking about hips. I hate those structural injuries so much. It makes you so, and you know, the Cowboys have paid them both. So like, it's not like that's a question, but it just, um, I guess it hits a little bit harder when it is something that just feels like it lingers than, you know, okay. We and both of the them knee. are really bargains too. It's not like either of yeah. them like really reset the market. They got them both at a really good price. Yeah. Team friendly deals for sure. It's, uh, it's really frustrating. So interesting that Zach Martin has said that he's going to be playing guard. I, I, um, you know, Miles Garrett plays a right defensive end. Um, I don't think Cleveland's going to want to move him around much. He's going to stay that right defensive end, uh, you know, right defensive inside. So, you know, you you hope Tyron's there, but you know, if they look, the three, we've got three weeks of history right here telling us he's probably not going to play on Sunday. I know it's just Wednesday when we're recording this, and you know, our audience will probably uh, you know get this Thursday, but I don't know. Studying. Doesn't feel well, right. <laughs> well, one thing with Miles Garrett and Saad, you can speak to this because you just got done writing about it. I think this game is going to be big for uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the pass protection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Zeke has had to chip in a lot, especially he did, he did a really good job last week in chipping in pass protection. But um, like you said, I mean, I think he's going to have to, you know, if Cleveland wants to blitz and try, tries to get Miles Garrett one-on-one with anybody on that offensive line, you know, if Tyron's not playing or whatever, it's going to be a long day for the Cowboys because, you know, bringing extra pressure. We saw that even in the Seattle game. Look, the, the blitzes looked a lot different when Jamal Adams went out of the game, right? So, I mean, you know, when I was watching the film again on Monday night, it looked, you know, night and day difference in, in terms of just the blitz packages and, and what kind of pressure and where the pressure is coming from. So I think it's going to depend on how much Cleveland wants to blitz as well. But, um, I think the the whole you know the dance of which guys are going to play where is interesting because um, you also can't get spoiled by what Zach Martin did on Sunday because the the transition from guard to tackle is not supposed to look that smooth and is not supposed to look that good. Like John, y- you saw this when uh, Connor uh, after Connor got drafted, he played tackle in college, and in order to become a guard. He had to spend an entire offseason remaking his body. He put on a lot of weight, a lot of muscle, all kinds of things like that. Like that transition from guard to tackle or vice versa is not as smooth as it looks. Another pass rusher, though, that every Cowboys fan should be familiar with is a guy by the name of Adrian Claiborne. Now, Adrian Claiborne has two sacks this year, but he did not practice today. Much like Lyle Collins is also dealing with a hip issue, Um, but obviously... 2017, six sacks, one game. I think people remember Adrian Claiborne. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, you know, another name, too, is uh, Olivier Vernon, who they have, um, which, you know, I think being in the division for a long long while, we we know about him. I, you know, my, uh, my thoughts on him are always comparing his contract to, oh, that's a pretty good model of what a contract would look like if you were going to sign DeMarcus Lawrence. And that's why I wanted to take Olivier Vernon, who's kind of uh, injured, and go back to DeMarcus Lawrence real quick. Uh, you know, I didn't realize this until uh, our special guest Bobby Belt said that on uh, the podcast uh, reviewing the um, Seahawks game, talking about how Demarcus Lawrence has participated in less than fifty percent of the team snaps so far this year. And personally, if 
if that means that Demarcus Lawrence is going to be full throttle in November and December, I'm okay with it. I'll take the lumps early on. I'm it's a, it's a marathon, right? I, I look at that, especially in this division. But yeah, I, well, when we're talking about his knee, do we know? Have they? Will they tell us anything about like specifically what it is? Is it soreness? Is it a what is it? Yeah, no, they really haven't gotten any specifics, and McCarthy's great at that. You know, that's that's one of those type of things where I know on the show people, you've heard us talk about Jason Garrett having the walk-off interview where you kind of clear some of this stuff up where you wouldn't necessarily say Jason Garrett told you, but you could at least clear up and specify some things that are going on. The one thing I got to go on on Lawrence is, so two games ago I noticed when I was watching the film over again that he was on the sideline once he came out, and it looked like, it looked like he was like trying to like he was look he was looking down at his knee and he was going through while he was talking to a trainer he was going through basically the way he would do his get off from a stand up two point stance and I have heard and 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 I'm and it bothers me I can't remember who said this I just saw it on Twitter recently and they talked about the difference between rushing as a four three end and a three four end and one of the biggest differences is when you're a four three or I'm sorry a three four stand up like Alden Smith does so well. You're using your knees a lot more, whereas when you're a, a, a four three like Demarcus is used to with your hand on the ground, it's more of your hips is where you generate. So I wonder if the knee came from this adjustment a little bit as well, where he's putting maybe more emphasis on his knees because you need that quick get off. That's the thing that separates yeah. these guys. I mean, it just the competition's too good. It's like tenths of seconds. It's even less than that on just that first step and on that get off. And and that it, that is so important. And if you're if that first step isn't that quick for you, you're just going to be another guy. Um, one other thing I want to mention. I mean, looking at this Browns, I mean injury list. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of people that think like you know the Cowboys because they've had a lot of guys go on the IR. Don't get me wrong, but like just to compare, there's three guys on the Cowboys injury list. It's 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 Trayvon Diggs, Demarcus Lawrence, Tyron Smith. We just went over them. For the Browns, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen guys, including Olivier Vernon, who you just mentioned. He was limited today uh, with an ab- abdomen injury. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry's on there. He was full, but he has a hip injury. Uh, Kareem Hunt was didn't practice. He's got a groin injury. Uh, Joel Batonio, the, their guard, he, he's got a back issue. He didn't practice today. J.C. Treader, uh, their their center, limited today with a knee. Uh, and then there are two of their, their corners, Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. Uh, Denzel Ward didn't practice today because of a groin, and Greedy Williams was limited because of his shoulder. So it's like... I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you just look at your own team. But I'm telling you, like a lot of these teams are dealing with injuries. And it, it's it's interesting because we talked about it in a lot of our shows coming into this season about how, like, you know, it'd be all about staying healthy and COVID and stuff like that. Well, that's what we're getting. It's it's really finding a way to stay healthy. It's going to be a war of attrition. Try and get to the later weeks as healthy as you possibly can. Yeah. And also, too, like uh, hamstrings, uh, groins, what you're seeing a lot of. And it's just... You know, it's almost unavoidable uh, in, in this case this year with just everything that's happened over the last, you know, six months. Uh, before we dive in a little deeper to the Cleveland Browns, a little, uh, little scuttlebutt in the local media. Uh, Jerry did his uh, traditional Tuesday morning interview on the fan with Sean and RJ. And um, he had a comment. And, John, I know you, you had transcribed it. I know, Saad, you guys... I probably listened to it a million times. Actually, didn't hear it live. Uh, but there's a little bit of confusion going on in local media about 
uh, Dak and at the end of the game. And I uh, just want to go ahead and get your, you guys' thoughts on on that because that kind of took over uh, one day of Cowboys storylines on what's typically a pretty slow Tuesday. Oh, no, it's not. Jerry talked. It's actually locked and loaded on Tuesday. How, how was that for you guys? Sad, you can go first on this. I'll fill in the I'll fill in the gaps. Well, I mean, you know, look, I I, I listen to the interview live every Tuesday, um, him and then st- I, I, whenever Stephen talks as well. Um, but you know, when I was listening to Jerry, uh, I when I initially heard these comments, I just didn't think anything of it. I thought more of he was kind of talking about the way I interpreted it just off the bat before I re-listened and and wrote it down and stuff was was uh, was you know just. To me, he was kind of putting Dak in the same category or the Dak's skill set in the same category as the likes of Mahomes. And then uh, and then he brought in Romo as well at the end. But um, I thought he was just kind of describing the same skill set of these guys, but not so much taking a shot at Dak and saying those guys could do something that Dak couldn't. I think, you know, I, I don't know how exactly that interpretation came about. I think it had... Maybe it had something to do with the fact that Mahomes had just, you know, put up a ridiculous performance the night before. And so maybe it's fresh in your mind that, you know, Mahomes is able to come through in in big games and stuff. But to me, it was just it was him talking about Dak's mobility in relation to Mahomes and uh, and and then bringing in Romo as well. Just quickly at the end, Um, I you know, I I think it was more of a skill set thing than a complete player quarterback thing. And there's so many people that cover this team that heard the comments. It just one individual heard it differently. And so when that person tweeted it out, including in their tweet, did I hear that right? Which that person did not hear it right. Um, that's where it kind of takes on a life of its own. Now, hey, Jerry leaves a lot of gray area in, when he speaks. I mean, there's it's, there, it's very open interpretation. Did he mean this? Did he not? I'll just say this. Jerry has never been hesitant to take shots, and, and, and we know that. But... You would, he wouldn't do that right now. That makes no sense right now. If Jerry was going to do some type of underlying take some shot deck, that'll happen in the off season. That'll happen in January or February when they go back to the, the contract table and, and they go back to negotiating. They can't do any negotiating now with him under the franchise tag until the season's over. So it makes no sense to say anything. I don't care if he throws 17 interceptions in the next five games. It makes no sense to say anything negative right now. All, all that, that, that's, Nothing positive comes from that. Why would he do that right now? Now, in the offseason, yeah, no, Jerry's no, known for maybe throwing something out there where you're like, that's interesting. I can't believe Jerry said that. But he's never he's never said anything about Dak publicly where he was slighted his game. Like, And, and when you listen to it, and I listened to it multiple times over and over again, it was it was just clear to me that what he was saying is that these quarterbacks, he was specific, the question was about the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and if they are, yeah. you know, significantly better than the Cowboys. And he said, yes. And he's like, they're the Super Bowl champs. And then he went into talking about Patrick Mahomes and his ability of, I mean, hey, when Patrick Mahomes is in the pocket, it doesn't matter if there's pressure or not pressure. He always looks extremely calm. Like he knows exactly what he's about to do. And that's amazing. That's why he's the best player in football. But he also, Jerry also pointed out that, hey, that's what the other guy did that we just played on Sunday, meaning Russell Wilson. And that's what Dak does. And that's how Dak was able to get off that last throw. And he mentioned, you know, it's the one that got intercepted, but he doesn't even get a chance to make that throw if he didn't have that escapability too. And then he says, Rumble had that. That's all he said. Rumble had that too. That's what he said. That's it. It wasn't trying to be like, oh, 
I wish we still had Romo, which oh, is exactly how you know everyone. What, you know what the online. confusion was? Is it's just the grammar of Jerry. You know, right. he's talking about escapability. He said he doesn't have that escapability. Romo had that. He's he's not talking. He's like Romo has that that ability, not that lack of escapability. Like yeah, yeah. It's just it's the way it was phrased. I can see why somebody would be confused by that. But at the same time, John, the narrative now in the media and you know coming out of the the off season is Dak and Jerry didn't get a deal done, so they're probably not on good terms. They probably yeah. hate each other, and they're probably like right. taking shots. Which isn't the them. case. It's I not mean, the I mean, case. I mean, I'm sure I'm, they're I'm, they're cordial. They're they're hey, how's it going? And they 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 talk to each other. It's not like that. I'm sure it's all business. And trust me, Jerry has. Nobody has more respect for Dak than Jerry. Than Jerry, and really, I don't even care. Like, if uh, whatever team that I'm I'm running, I don't really care if the players like me. I have to if I'm the owner, I have to pay them, and if they're a player, they have to play for me. It doesn't matter if they like. Oh, it's so great because I saw them at the Christmas party and they were they had their arms around each other and everything was great. No, as it's not like even if they didn't like each other, it's not like Dak's going to be like I'm not playing for this team anymore. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so. They don't have to completely get along anyway, as long as he's willing to pay the money. And and frankly, if if Jerry didn't think that Dak was the guy, he's not on this franchise tag right now. Right. They wouldn't be paying him $31 million. Yeah. And they wouldn't have put the exclusive rights tag on him. They would have been like, no, let's go see. Let's see what somebody offers for him right now. Hey, we like you, Dak. We like you. But let's see if someone wants to offer us a couple firsts or something. You know, like it was never even got to that level. Yeah, and also another thing is that that if you look at just Jerry's track record, I know a lot of it comes before the negotiations or whatever. The la- one of the last times we really heard Jerry talk, I think it was the last time he actually talked to the media. He put Dak in the family picture. I mean, come on, like, and and, and then look, we've been there throughout the years. He's he's been him and Stephen both have curiously talk Dak up so much it's it's felt kind of weird when you talk about just how they're negotiating they've been talking about how Dak is for sure the guy there's no doubt about it and all these kind of things and like John said I think the biggest thing is um, I wouldn't put it past Jerry to to you know make these comments um, as part of a negotiation or something like that but there is no negotiation right now so you know if you don't have the negotiation window it makes no it makes no sense and I think when you're interpreting those comments, you have to take all that stuff into context. And so, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think those comments would become anything that they really did become later on. Going back to February, I mean, that's so. Yeah. When Jerry was talking about Dak's future, mm-hmm. um, he, that's when he said, he like, how do you feel about his future? That's when Jerry said it was on. The, it was on the bus when he t- talked. There's probably about six or seven of us at the combine that he does every year. He said, you know, how do you feel about the future? He was asked, and he and he said, the same as I feel about Steven. There's no going forward without Steven or one of your family members. So you gotta go get it figured out. That's that's exactly what Sod's referring to when he I mean he basically says he's like a family member. John's got his like Rolodex of Jerry quotes. <laughs> me, oh yeah. I'm let me go. just uh I think it was February fourth of earlier. Got it the whole no, thing in your phone. No, I'll, I'll do let you, you really guys have like, how many guys... years back do you had you have Jerry I'll, transcribed in your phone? I'll let I'll let you guys in on something real quick here. Uh here's one of my secrets. If you guys ever notice how I tweet, I don't ever say like MM for Mike McCarthy. I don't ever say like like some initials on somebody. I always write it all out so then I can search my name on Twitter and then put in a couple keywords and I can always find huh. like an old a, quote. A, a quote. So that's oh, that's a good yeah. yeah, if you know a couple words that they said, you'd be right. able to find it that so way. So I put in yeah. I put in my my Twitter handle 
family and Steven, and I was able to find Here's a side, this is a side note, just while you're on the subject. I do follow you on Twitter, and everyone needs to follow John on Twitter if you're not. <laughs> um, you do so many of those quotes on Twitter, like, here's a quote from a press conference, Mike McCarthy, here's yeah. Mike Nolan on DeMarcus Lawrence. You know, it's all kinds of stuff throughout the week, and you've got, it's constant. Do you schedule any of those out, or is that all real time? You're typing it all no, out. No, it's all real time. Oh my no gosh. Way. It's funny, no. It's impressive. Uh, some other media members have asked me that too. Of like, oh, do you time those out? I go, I honestly don't know how to. If time I was you, out. I would, I would just take the transcript. Yeah, just schedule all those bad boys out for an entire week in like a twenty-minute span. I could show you how to do that. Yeah, that's what I, I thought you did. That blows my mind that you sit. No, out there. I have no, I have no life. Uh, <laughs> John, can you give me the date of circumcising a mosquito? Do you have that on you? No, oh, just kidding. I definitely have that. Just kidding. He does. Just kidding. Don't he go, does. don't go look for it. We're we're good. <laughs> I was just doing a bit. We don't have to find it. He's going to prove it. He wants to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the narrative is just that that people want them to disagree, and any yeah. quote kind of read between the lines thing we can think of to say, "Oh, look, they hate each other." Is going to get thrown out there, and uh, sure. whether it's true or not. So, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, looking at the Browns now, two and one. Now, you could, uh, I want to be fair and give them credit for being two and one. I will say their wins are the Bengals and the Washington football team. So, you know, a couple of winless teams. Actually, the, no, the Washington football team got a win over the Eagles in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Browns have scored 30 points for the first time in back to back weeks since 2010. Here's a little trivia. Let's see if you guys know. Who was the head coach for the Cleveland Browns in 2010, the last time they had back-to-back 30-point weeks? 
Oh man, was it Romeo Cornell? No, that that was probably okay. a little while back. Yeah, incorrect, but good guess. I love the reference. Oh, obviously, it was Bill Belichick. Incorrect. Twenty ten. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> not not was Bill it, Belichick. Uh, Nick Saban. Was it? Was I close with Romeo Cornell? Uh you know, it's a no. But you know the, the time periods are fairly close. Was it Mangini? It was Eric Mangini, Saad Yusuf. Yes. Uh, who was the quarterback that year? Oh, this is this is impossible. Derek Tim Anderson. Couch. Nope. Oh man. Twenty ten Browns. Brady Quinn. Not Brady Quinn. He actually signed with the. Uh, I mean, I don't believe he's in the league now. But he did sign with the Patriots in the offseason. Is it a McCown or a McNown or one of those? It's not one of those, but what great guess. You like seven, it seven, eight, that's guys. possible seven guys right there you should eliminate. All right. Jeff Garcia. Uh, no, I'll go ahead and give it to you guys. It was Brian Hoyer. Hmm. Oh. Brian Hoyer, 2010. So coming off two back-to-back 30-point 30 point, uh, 30 outings for, for the Browns for the first time in 10 years. Let's uh let's talk about Baker first, right? I mean, look, uh, number one pick in the draft in 2018. Um, I do find it kind of interesting that despite all the weapons and making a big trade to go get Odell Beckham, that this is a team right now that does not like to let Baker bake. Like last week we talked <laughs> about letting Russ cook. They do not want to let Baker bake. They don't trust him. Uh, the last two games he went 16 for 23. Uh, they want to run the ball. Um, they want to, to make sure that, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt get the ball, but they want to make sure that Baker's not throwing the ball more than 25 times a game. Um, so he had 16 for 23, two touchdown passes the last two games. Um, actually didn't throw an interception in the last game. Um, but I do think it's interesting. Like, are you feeling good about your investment? If in a well. year three, the number one pick, you're going, man, I really don't want him throwing much. Well, first of all, uh, September 2016 is when Jerry said circumcise the mosquito about Tony <laughs> I Romo. knew it. Uh, second of all, so I did, I just recorded earlier today podcast with Zach Jackson, who covers the Browns uh, for The Athletic. And he, when we were talking about Dak, he mentioned that about if they might not be sold completely on Baker and if the Cowboys were to let Dak go the Browns could be a team that would be interested in Dak because they have all these other pieces, you know, when they already have Odell and Jarvis, they have the running backs, they have, you know, some big name players in the offensive line. They obviously have, you know, Miles Garrett, and they've got some investments on the defensive side that maybe they would be interested in Dak. Now, like I said to him, I don't see how, I don't, I think the Cowboys bring back Dak, even if it is means 38 million for another franchise tag. But it was interesting hearing it from a perspective of a team that I wouldn't really think about. Cause like, you said earlier, I mean, they don't play the Cowboys very much, and I'm not really paying attention too much to Cleveland. But it is interesting watching this game, think about that. I will say, um, yeah, everything for me always comes back to the Lions. I always find it funny when, like, Mitch Trubisky has a great week week one against the Lions, and people are like, look at this guy. And I'm like, it's yeah. the Lions, consider they're playing. Or Sam Darnold like, goes off against the Lions, and people are like, yeah, they got their quarterback. I'm like, hold on, look who they did it against, you know? And so... With that being said, I think that could be this week for Baker. Like, I think that Browns fans might be really on the bandwagon after they watch what he does against this secondary. I'm not saying that the Browns are going to win, but I could see him putting up decent numbers against this secondary because Odell can stretch the field and Jarvis can stretch the field. And uh, if 
regardless who's out there for the Cowboys, if they're just leaving guys running open like they did with DK Metcalf at times, like they did uh, with uh, Lockett, Tyler Lockett, then it really doesn't matter who's throwing the football. So if they haven't fixed things on defense, particularly communication, Mike Nolan said it was communication and guys not having their eyes in the right spots. If they don't fix that, Baker Mayfield could look real good on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think the thing with Baker is if if you still give him time, it's not like he's not talented. If you give him the time, and KT, as you said, he has all the weapons there. If you give him all the time and everything, then I think he he can dice you up. And you know, it's a lot like you know we've seen with Dak, where you know he can put up big games even when the Cowboys lose. And I think that's what John, you know, that's what John's talking about. It's like you know Baker can have a good day and the the Browns could still lose. I could see that happening, but. Um, the, the Cowboys secondary has a lot of question marks. Um, you know, they kept, they keep saying it's a miscommunication issue and things like that. And I, and I get that, like, you know, you can see some miscommunication there, like on the locket touchdown. Um, some of it might be miscommunication, but man, a lot of it is just talent. Like they're just not that good. As soon as you said that, Sad, all I was thinking about was like on that Mike Nolan call, if it's like he had to drink like a truth serum and he, when you ask the question, he's like, uh, we don't have the players. Next question. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, That's I, never going to be said, though, like you mentioned. Yeah. And how, how many times that game, uh, specifically against Seattle, uh, I must give you one example of a play that really jumped out is they had three wide receivers to the right, or maybe it was two wide receivers to the right, but on the bottom of the screen, it's Tyler Lockett, and he's lined up against Daryl Worley, and it's clear that how the Cowboys had rolled their coverage that it was one-on-one coverage. So you're going, okay, well, uh, Russ is going to go right here, and sure enough, Tyler Lockett runs a really good 12- to 15-yard comeback route, and Daryl Worley can't hang. And it's like, well, we didn't have a chance there. No offense to Daryl Worley, but, you know, Tyler Lockett's going to route you up with no help pretty much every time. The only thing that can cover up for this, I believe, is one, two things could happen. If you Here, I'm going to sell some hope to Cowboys fans. Two Let's things, do two that. Possi- yeah, I'm with you. Two possible things could happen here. One has to be, bottom line, they cannot be leaving guys wide open in the secondary. So if you can just stay with the guys, you know, hey, you're going to have balls completed, that's fine. Just stay near them and, and, and prevent the 40, 50-yard touchdown if there's going to be 20, 30 yard gains, that's fine. Don't give up big plays because the guys are just running wide open. So that's what's got to happen on the back end. And I think that can happen the longer these guys play together. You just get rid of those mental mistakes and those errors. The other thing is, is that pass rush has to continue to improve. And so your hope is, is that Alden Smith continues to play like he has, but then at least one out of Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence comes around, and then you get a fresh Randy Gregory who hasn't played in a while, and then all of a sudden you have a pass rush that's it's making it a little bit more difficult. Now, even in those situations, your Aaron Rodgers, your Patrick Mahomes, and your Russell Wilsons are still going to complete balls all the time. But you should be that should be enough for your defense to be enough with what, how good the offense is that you should be able to still win a lot of games. That's that's the only thing I can see happening. Yeah, with everyone crapping on the secondary all week, I do want to put a little the, the onus on uh, on the defensive line this week because mm-hmm. I will say this with Baker, what you've seen uh, over, if you watched him many over the past uh, his first two years in the league, it's snap. We have a crappy offensive line, and I'm scrambling to my right, and I'm either going to throw an interception, or I'm going to fumble, or I'm going to throw out of bounds, and I'm going to look terrible. Well, this year so far, he is getting a small sample size through three weeks, but he's getting the most time 
to pass than any other quarterback in the league. They are protecting him right now. And that's been very helpful. And, and that's a really good offensive line if it's healthy with Batonio, with JC Treader at center, um, with the tackles, um, who are escaping me right now because I was just looking at it a minute ago, but it's escaping me, uh, escaping me right now. Joe um, Thomas. No, uh, not Joe Thomas. I'm kidding, um, I'm kidding. God, it's killing me. I just, I was just looking at this a minute ago. Uh, but they, they have a really good offensive line. Uh, Jedrick Wills, uh, first round pick from Alabama who's kind of right now seen as the weak leak of that offensive line. And that won't be the case in the second half of this season because he's a really good player. You know, Baker's getting time. And if he's getting time and they just want to run the ball and get ahead, you know, your defense is going to be on the field a lot. So we need Alden Smith. We need DeMarcus Lawrence. We need these guys to really have a really good week rushing the passer. Maybe that's on Mike Nolan, uh, you know, uh, dialing up the, the right blitzes at the right times. You know, and things like that. But that's a strong offensive line if they're healthy for Cleveland. And uh, it's not going to be easy to uh, to get to the quarterback because this is, again, the team that is giving their quarterback the most time to throw. It's Cleveland. And Baker looks a little more comfortable. The other tackle is Jack Coughlin. But Thank again, you. Yes, great he, But he's another guy, though, that that's he's got elbow limited today. Yeah. I think one thing also with with, uh, with Baker is that Nick Chubb is, is, is playing really well as also. So I think... You know, uh, in addition to him getting a lot of time from the offensive line, um, th- the Cowboys can't just ignore the running attack completely, or else they're going to get you know playoff Rams. You know, kind of like what happened in the a couple of years ago. So um, I think you know they have to they have to make sure they play the run well. So Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, these guys just can't tee off on Baker. Um, you have to account for Chubb, and then also Baker can create on his own too. I mean, he's yeah, not a statue yeah. in the pocket, so. Um, he can get out and uh, and find open guys as well. So so the running backs here, you know, we know how good Chubb and Kareem Hunt is. We don't have to talk about how good they are. I think I think the world knows that. One thing that's interesting. So last week they had 35 carries for 154 yards, but they only had three catches. And I immediately think of those guys. Not not Chubb, but Kareem Hunt is a guy you could throw it to. And maybe that's just thinking about his time in Kansas City. But he definitely can catch out of the backfield and just kind of going through. And one thing I've seen, I mean, I saw, I saw them play on national TV against the Bengals and then I rewatched the game against the Washington football team. And I was, you know, a little shocked to find out, you know, they're not really trying to get screen passes going. They're not really working the play action as much as I thought they would. You know, I thought that would be kind of a big part of their offense. And it hasn't, or at least just watching, I didn't chart it out or anything, but it, it, it didn't seem like, oh, that's a, something they're truly relying on. They're, they just want to run the ball, and they've been able to do it because they've been overpowering teams. And Nick Chubb is a tough runner, and, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is a very good running back. And, you know, that we look, the, the passing defense we knew going into that game, all right, uh, let's see what you got. I'm not sure that we've had this yet this year. The Rams we knew were going to have, uh, oh, yeah, they're going to three running backs about run at you. Okay, Todd Gurley in Atlanta. Uh, Seattle, yeah, they've been letting Russ cook. This is the game where you you know straight up, this is a team that's going to want to run the ball on you. Can you lock in and do it? And this is the first time we've had something like this in the Mike Nolan with the Cowboys era. So I'm interested in how they hold up against the run because they might be bad there too. We don't know. No, that's a very good point. You're going to find out a lot about Tristan Hill and Don Terry Poe and even Jalen Smith and Joe Thomas there. I mean, all those guys have to, have to be at the top of their game because like Sad brought up, it could look like that Rams game again. Um, but yeah, that could be, it would be, 
it'd be funny because I'm just from here on out predicting it's going to be these high scoring games and these shootouts. I don't care what quarterbacks on the yeah. other side or whatnot. But it would be interesting if this game all of a sudden turns into Zeke versus Chubb and it's a lower scoring game and it's more of a defensive battle. I don't see that happening. Um, but you definitely have some talented running backs out there. But no, Don Terry Poe, Tristan Hill, we're going to find out a lot about them. Odds makers have this game at 55 on the over-under, which I would say almost doesn't feel high compared to some of what we've seen uh, early in the season. But like in Cleveland, they're going, what, 55 on an over-under? We never have that. So like, uh, I don't know. I think I, I have them. I, I have the, these teams scoring a little bit more than that. We'll get our predictions uh, a little bit later. Um, do you guys have anything else that you want to add uh, to, to the Browns on offense before we flip the field and talk about uh, Miles Garrett and uh, how scary he's going to be this weekend? Scary how? Uh, well, the fact that he took over the game last week. I don't know. You guys probably saw the highlight or, or, or probably saw that if you watched the game, uh, the big sack on Dwayne Haskins where he nearly pulled off Dwayne Haskins' undershirt. That's how he nearly you know. pulled off his helmet and hit him with it? Yeah. Well, he didn't do that. That was a different oh. – that was a different game. Oh, and that was that's last right. Year. That's yes. right. That was a different time. Sorry, sorry. Go that on. was a different time. That was pre-COVID. Um, All right, hey, real quick, real quick. I got to share a quick story. Speaking of Steelers, um, COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. I'm not taking it that, down there. <laughs> um, I will say that going back to that, that particular play surprised me so much because of just a few times I've been around Miles Garrett, and he just seems like one of the nicest guys. Like, right. Uh, this not last year's Pro Bowl, but the Pro Bowl before that. Uh, I was with another uh, reporter who wanted to talk to him real quick, and we were carpooling together. And he was like, "You mind if wait? Because I'm trying to get Miles or whatever like that." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, but I don't think he's going to talk because most of these guys when they're done, they're not going to talk." Miles Garrett literally spent like an extra ten, fifteen minutes, you know, answering whatever questions. Super cool. Some kids were coming up asking for autographs. What? Like, never seemed to be bothered by anything. Didn't seem like. He just seemed like the coolest dude. I was just like, I was stunned by like everybody had left the field. It just Miles Garrett standing out there still hanging out. So then when I saw that that play, I was like, is that the same guy? Like, wow, that's that's just crazy <laughs> to me. But anyway, obviously just a beast. I mean, that's the guy you want to talk about a guy that can wreck the game. I don't know if it gets any better than that. Yeah, I mean, I think like you you go, uh, well, is Adrian Claiborne gonna wreck the game? Like, no, no, Miles Garrett's the guy, you know. You, uh, just because it happened that one time, I, I hope it wouldn't happen again. But what if it happened again? How wild would that oh, be? God. I mean, th- get this: he had two sacks last week, three hurries, and a forced fumble. But if you count his pressures, he basically caused three of the Washington Football Team's five turnovers that game. They turned the ball over five times. You know, Miles Garrett was directly involved in three of them. I mean, that's some Khalil Mack type type action. You know, that is that is really making a difference. So uh, we'll have our uh, thoughts and prayers with Tyron Smith or Brandon Knight, probably Brandon Knight, uh, out there at left tackle, and hopefully they can get him some help. Uh, one thing I will say about the Browns' defense, it's really hard to diagnose what they are right now because of all the injuries. Denzel Ward dealing with a groin. But if he's unable to play, such a huge advantage for the Cowboys and their three big wide receivers and Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb. Greedy Williams uh, from LSU started to kind of make some strides as a player, but he's been limited. Um, so I don't know, you know, how much, you know, he's going to be be playing. You know, Denzel Ward gave it a go last week, but he left in the second half. Like, he just didn't play in the second half because his groin acted up. And if they try to tough it out and then have to, sit out or aren't 100% and try to go, man, 
advantage Cowboys. I'm not deviating from what I did last week. Uh, I, I might not want Dak throwing the ball 57 times, but I'm not going to be shy about Dak throwing the ball 40 times. If they need to go throw it on, on Cleveland uh, to get some action, I'm totally down with that. I will say this, the Cleveland linebackers, terrible. They're going to run Mac Wilson out there finally. He's going to get some action from Alabama. They drafted him in 2019 and uh, you know hasn't played much, so he's kind of getting his real first game of like a lot of NFL action this week, and I think that's an area of the field the Cowboys can take advantage of. So if I'm Kellen Moore, I'm dialing up as many crossing routes and things like that. Let's get some traffic in the middle of the field because I think that's the area that you can really hurt this team uh, defensively. But uh, I, I think I think it's it's an interesting because if you if we were doing this show last year or two years ago or even three years ago, I would say, man, this is going to be a Cowboys team, as you mentioned earlier. Hey, let's just grind it out <laughs> in the trenches, all that stuff. Yeah, I think the Cowboys can need to win this with their skill on the outside, and uh, you know, let, let Dak go uh, air it out and 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 see what happens. I think that's the Cowboys' best chance to really put up a lot of points on Cleveland. Let's let's go. Cleveland doesn't want to do that. You can do that. Yeah, I think the the one thing though is is you know it kind of flips as well. We were talking about the Cowboys secondary being as bad as it is. Um, you know, what, however banged up Denzel Ward or or the Brown secondary may be, if their front is as good as it is and Dak doesn't have time to throw, then you're going to have yeah, to start yeah. doing things to neutralize it. And and you know whether that means look Zeke blocking last week was was good. He did a good job. But you got to get more out of your screen game um, to neutralize those blitzes and the pressures and things like that, just to keep them at bay a little bit. Um, so I think that's something the Cowboys are going to need to do. And then also, you know, I, I still would like to see CD Lamb get involved a little bit more in the offense in a lot of different ways because I, he's doing a good job in in you know as a receiver in his routes and things like that. But I know John talked to Kel, asked Kellen more about this, or or was it Mike McCarthy about? you know, these these jet sweeps type plays and things like that and, and trying to get CD in space and how you can kind of take more advantage of that. I, I think the Cowboys have to look to, you know, mix it up a little bit because I don't think, like you said, with Miles Garrett and, the, and that front, I don't think you can just drop back and throw it 50 times a game because uh, against this team because Dak's going to get really banged up. Yeah, and now that training camp is, is over and – I feel like comfortable that I can talk about stuff that I saw now uh, without getting in any trouble. Uh, when they ran those type of trick plays or even reverses, things like that, they didn't look good there either. Like I tweeted out one yeah. day, I think it was like, uh, Cowboys have done multiple trick plays there, whatever like that, but I didn't get any specifics. They didn't look good. And and the, that that on top of obviously what we've seen from the screen game. And then so I asked you know Zeke about that today, you know, just – how much does it hurt you guys? Because it seems like there's a lot of continuity needed amongst the offensive line. And you're always rotating in all these different offensive linemen. You've seen them go to that screen late in the game on Sunday and Joe Looney, you know, too far down the field. It's like when that stuff was really clicking Zeke's rookie year, a lot of that offensive line was the same guys and there was a cohesiveness. And so when I asked Zeke about that, his response was, well, no, that also goes back to, it's not just the guys rotating. It's that's what, why you need an off season. That's why you need preseason games because you can work on that stuff. When you don't have that, there's only so much of that you can do in practice. And that's an aspect of the game that was really big in, in 2016. I mean, that was one of the best things. I mean, with those Linehan specials where Zeke took some of those to the house. I mean, they were just outstanding. And I, and if that thing's blocked, right. 
late in that game on Sunday, that could have been a huge play, but it, they just have not looked good on anything outside of the, like the, like, let's get four, three, four receivers out here. Let's, let's let Dak cook and let's go from there. But when they tried to like switch it up and try and do like some of the underneath passing game, some of the screens, some of the jet sweeps, it like, it just doesn't look right. It's like, it's not there yet. So yeah, I don't know. Well, no, no. To me, I'm like, if I really feel good about Tyron and Lyle coming back, then I'm going to try to shelve that stuff and just save it. There's a win-win to those things. I'll wait until we're a little more congruent offensively. But also, yeah, there's nothing wrong with not showing that on tape and just kind of having that ready. But, you know, maybe the fact that they're using all that stuff, maybe that's a little bit of a sign of how they feel about the health of Tyron and Lyle as well. Because, you know, God knows we're looking for answers maybe without – we're we're being more private investigators this year than maybe ever just because, you know, they're they're keeping things quiet. And it's not just the Cowboys. Uh, You know, many, many NFL organizations are – are doing that this year, uh, you know, maybe a little more than ever. Um, do y'all want to do predictions? Yo. I can tell you that the guests are two and one on the year. Um, we had a win last week from Mike Reiner. Uh, had Seattle with the 34-24 win. So we have to win. So, Saad, you will be the guest um, prediction this week. Oh, who do you have and what is the score? Before I make this prediction, I will toot my own horn, own horn here for a second and say last week on Twitter, I did predict a 38-31 Seattle win, and it was a 38-31 Seattle win. So um, just saying. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the Cowboys, the Cowboys take this one 28-21. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as crazy high scoring as the, as the games in the past have been. Um, and I don't think it's going to be really as close as, as a touchdown game. I think some of that is more of just, you know, at the end, uh, maybe the Browns make a run at it, get a, you know, get a quick field goal and, and try an onside kick or something. Um, I, I respect the Browns' talent. I just think that the, I, I can't, one, I can't see the Cows, Cowboys falling to one and three. Um, secondly, I, I just think that, you know, this team is too talented. I, I said this earlier today. The, the, this one and two Cowboys team is better than the three and O Cowboys team last year. A, as a football team, I believe that. I think that they they have more talent. Uh, they're a little bit better. Um, they just they probably don't have the same chemistry as last year's team did. Um, but I do think they have more talent than last year's team. So I think this is when they start kind of turning things around. Um, I still think they're going to have a little a, a few hiccups here in the next couple of weeks, but. Uh, this time, I'll take the Cowboys over the Browns, twenty-eight to twenty-one. All right, we'll book that. Let's go to Kent Garrison. Yeah, that sounds great, Todd. That all sounds good. I love to think, yeah, this Cowboys team can't be one and three. I don't see that happening. But I just looking at the reality of this game. I'm looking at the uh, Browns offense. I'm looking at this Cowboys defense. I'm looking at this Browns offense, and I feel I feel really bad for Odell Odell Beckham. Uh, right now he's taking a lot of crap from a lot of people and um grow up (laughs) and you don't uh, even know if that's true i'm not i'm moving past it john why are you what are you talking about and and so you talk about one of those ladies on this podcast (laughs) let's see if it's really you talk about you know you talk about that brown's offense and yeah i just you know the Browns got it. They got some weapons on defense too, man. That pass rush is pretty nasty. 
Um, Cowboys are banged up on that offensive line. As much as I want to see the Cowboys turn things around, I don't know. This feels like a bit of a trap game for me. I think the Browns are humming. I think they're confident. I think they're going to come down here and uh, do some work. So I'm taking the Browns, the slight edge, 27-24. 27-24, Klee. Wow. All right, I'll go next. We'll let John do the grand finale as usual. Uh, I got the Cowboys winning this game 34-23. to um, I, I've not seen enough Baker Mayfield to absolutely trust him at all. And I do think the Cowboys will make adjustments if they're getting ran on early. Um, I think they'll find a way. But, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski's got a, got a little good thing going right now with that running the ball and not letting uh, Baker throw it too much and kind of, you know, reining uh, him in a little bit, uh, you know, the way that they weren't able to over the last couple of years. So, uh, I got the Cowboys winning this game 34-23. I think they're going to have an uh I don't think they're going to have a dif- difficult time uh moving the ball down the field. Uh no matter if Tyron plays or doesn't play, I think Dak will take his hits. Um I think Dak will throw an interception uh or lose a fumble probably if uh you know if Tyron doesn't play. I still think the turnovers will be there, but I think they're going to have enough. I just think overall they're the better team. Um I just don't I, I got to see a little more out of Cleveland before I really you know, feel like giving them uh, enough respect. So 34-23 Cowboys for me. Let's go to John Mashoda. I think the Cowboys are going to be losing in the fourth quarter, uh, 24-20, but I think Dak has a, yeah, I will say in the last three or four minutes, has a game-winning drive, and the Cowboys end up winning 27-24. Uh, but it's going to be a close game. It's going to be just like these first three. It's coming down to the end. It, if you happen to miss the first three quarters, I think you'll be fine. I think it's the fourth quarter will be very entertaining again. Uh, but being at home, coming off that last game, I think Dak's playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think that he'll have a game-winning drive in this ball ballgame. Uh, Ken, I also want to mention real quick that the Falcons yesterday worked out Kai Forbeth. Oh, good. Yes. Go, buddy. Go. Get it. Get it. Break it. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, you- Go boy, go. Well, look. how are you guys? How are you guys speaking of that real quick? Let's get the group's feeling on special teams right now through three games. We haven't really touched on that. Awful. I was just thinking about Chris Jones the other day. <laughs> Thanks, Rod Marinelli, for <laughs> oh, that awful. Oh, oh yeah, solid. Um, I was just thinking about Chris Jones the other day, and how long that guy's been here? Like that's amazing. Like he's got to be like yeah. thankful every day that like he hasn't been like a product of the special team sucking like. They're just like, oh, let's get a different punter in here, you know, because they can easily do that. Punters are a dime a dozen, right? Like, that dude has been around. He's been really good for you. I mean, he didn't get that two-point. Yeah, he was on the Super Bowl teams, I remember, in the 90s. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he's a, he won a Super Bowl at the Chiefs last year, too, I think. So. Yeah, he's uh, right, a big right, deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. But, no, it's um, it's funny that he's he's been so solid, but everything around him has been kind of crazy um, in terms of, like, kickoff coverage, the field goal kicking and all that stuff, yeah. I do not want to be this guy, but I, I but you brought up special teams and it took me there, so I'll do this in a quick way. So I've been working on this like side project. Uh, it's a little, like TV show, and my role is to like be like the you know late night host with uh, you know jokes. So I've been writing jokes a lot, right? Um, and this thing just released. It's called Sports and Such, and you can find it wherever. Just follow me at KT Fun Tweets. But it was it's been a lot of fun to write cowboy jokes over the last few weeks. So I've got a John Fossil joke series that I've been working on. Uh, I'm not going to reveal it here. I can't do that. I mean, I'll save it for the, the thing I'm doing. But there's a lot of good special teams jokes, I guess. But um, 
Look, we'll, we'll talk uh, Sunday uh, night. Cowboys like knock knock jokes, dude. No, 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 no. Like set up and and then 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 you finish it. You know. I got a question for John. Okay. Well, before we get out of here, yeah. Um, you know, wrap up this week. Uh, what did you guys talk to Zeke this week? What the hell's going on with Zeke? Is he mad because it seems like when people tell him he sucks is when he has his best games. <laughs> like he just go off for 150 yards or two touchdowns. He's <laughs> he sucked lately. I'll just go out and say it. Um. So yeah, he's been yeah. bad. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't. I know what you're talking about. I've definitely sensed that over the years when he's got the extra chip on his shoulder. I, I didn't really get that sense today. We actually is when we talked to him. Uh, I really didn't. I didn't really think of it that way. Um, but I don't know. I guess for me, there wasn't really much running room, and there and they weren't going to run in that game. So it's hard for me to cr- criticize him for the way he ran. Uh, the issues I had with Zeke in that last game are really just the drop passes, you know. I mean, just those are balls that he just has to catch. That uh, there were a few there that he didn't he didn't bring in, and I think he's a better receiver uh, than he showed in that game, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I could see there being a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and that's a good thing, obviously, going into this game. Uh, there should be a lot of guys on that team. I mean, how many guys really came out of that Seattle game saying, you know, that they played their best game in that, other than really Alden Smith? So, um, yeah, go ahead. To piggyback on your Zeke thing, I think one thing that I'll say is uh, he's a better receiver than he showed in Seattle. Like, he can catch some of those passes. But people have also got to stop lumping him in with, like, Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Like, he's not that kind of receiving running back. Like, he's better than Seattle. He can catch some of those easier passes. But this dude's not going to split out into the slot and start catching balls, um, you know, five, six yards down the field as as a receiver. So I think... The expectations, it's because, like, you know, people keep thinking $90 million running back, so he has to be all these things. And it's just, you know, KT, you even brought up Kareem Hunt, who will be on the other side. Zeke isn't that guy. Like, I think he can do a good job, um, but, but, and not be a, a complete liability the way that he was on Sunday against Seattle. But that doesn't mean that he's a receiving running back. And so I think that's something that fans have to kind of ease back off of. And then, also, I think, you know, when you have three receivers and hey, maybe you have a fourth in Cedric Wilson. I mean, what, what the hell is that? So, um, you know, maybe if you have those guys, you use those guys in the passing game and save Zeke for the surprise pops. It is interesting. Once a guy gets paid, man, that's when the criticism goes way up. Because even the criticism you hear about Dak, there's a lot of people bring up. This guy thinks he's worth 40 million. Like he hasn't even gotten the deal yet. And people are already bringing that into the equation. But you just you know, think of like, if you did a, like a lineup, it's all like the guys that people hate on are all the guys that got Jalen, Demarcus Lawrence, Zeke. Like it's anytime a guy gets a contract. But we're going to say, KG. Well, I was just saying, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's almost less than Dak. It's almost like a lot of people have just forgotten that Dak is the highest paid player on the team this year. Like, yeah. that's already happening. So it's like less exaggerated than I thought it would be. Because, like, you know, obviously when he signs the $40 million deal, yes, he's going to start taking crap all the time. I'm almost surprised that he's not taking, well, oh, well, oh, wait, he's playing good. How about that? You know, yeah. but like, I'm almost surprised. Oh, he's, he's certainly, not, he's, he's, he's got, he's played up to his contract. He these absolutely is. He's a top five quarterback in the league right now. Right now. Yeah. If y'all want to go there, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and um, I'm forgetting one, but I, I well, had I had someone uh, ready to go. Matthew Stafford? No, sorry. no, um, stop it. Uh, um, no, but it, this is an interest. This is an interesting game, though, because I think one of the criticisms or something Russell. that people bring up with D- Dak a lot 
is the how many weapons he has around him. Well, you're going to see on the other side of the field a number one overall pick that's got some pretty damn good weapons all across the board. So let's see let's see how that looks for him. You know, who would you rather have, Dak or Josh Allen? I, I hate to say this because it, it is so like I am I am the last person because I feel like I have watched every single throw that Dak I know it in, in all the games, but for anything training camp, I've I've seen them all. And Josh Allen, I've really only seen a few times because, like, I don't know, like, I just don't see a lot of Bills games, you know? So it's hard for me to compare. So for me, if you're telling me right now I have to pick, I I, I would take Dak, like, no question. But I know Josh Allen is continuing to improve, and I, and I see the number he's putting up. And Buffalo, I mean, that's that team could be very, very good this year. So maybe at the end of the year I feel differently, but as of right now, I, I, would, I would rather have Dak. Yeah, I, I would rather have Dak as well. well Saad, what about what? this one, Dak or Kyler? Oh, ah, uh, <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Here's the thing with that one. It's like, you know, you don't see Kyler as much, but I also think Kyler is in a great situation with Cliff Kingsbury because, and because I think that fit is really good because, you know, you kind of have that vibe that Kyler needs. And then also, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and, and all those guys over there. So um, I think Kyler is a good fit with Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if Kyler would be doing the same thing four years under Jason Garrett. I think he would look, pretty similar to what Dak has looked if not if not maybe a little worse so um I think that's a good fit and then Josh Allen also one thing I'll say there is you know he had this he had the stigma around him of just how inaccurate he was because he had like a 50 yard a 50 percent completion percentage in college or something he's gotten better there and the bills have looked good so you know but I'm with John there when you cover the Cowboys you know, you, you, you look more at the Cowboys, then you look at the NFC East, and then you look at the NFC at large. Um, the AFC, and especially the Buffalo Bills, um, up until this year, you just don't see a lot of them. The other thing is about Dak that can't be overlooked is that I know how Dak can handle the media hype in this city with this team. I don't know about a lot of those other guys. Like, like Dak is made to deal with this stuff. I mean, a lot of guys... I don't think a lot of guys would have handled a lot of the stuff that came out about him talking about depression and anxiety and then having the Skip Bayless stuff thrown in there. I don't know that you could have handled it any better than Dak did. And that's the type of stuff that, like, if you say that as the Bills quarterback, it obviously gets attention, but it's not getting brought to the level that it does when you're the Cowboys quarterback where every single, you know, major news network is talking about it. And, like, that stuff just, like, does not phase Dak in terms of the way he shows it. It might when he goes home or something like that. But sure. The, the way he handles it is just, like and, – and, and the reason I bring that up is because this job isn't for everybody. You know, it's like it's like what Derek Jeter did with the Yankees. Like, that's not for everybody. Like, yeah. I can't compare Derek Jeter to somebody that had similar numbers with the Tampa Bay Rays. It just it's a different It's a different business when you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Every little thing you say – can just be blown up into the biggest story. And it doesn't even matter if you're a Super Bowl contender or not. It's because you're with the Cowboys. And there's so many distractions that come with it because of an owner that is just so out there that is always talking. And he's such a lightning rod for discussion that, and then especially this contract situation, I don't know how many other guys could have dealt with it as well as he has. Uh, and, and I just kind of go back to last week, listening to Ken Norton, the old uh, Cowboys linebackers, now the DC, the Seahawks. And, he was asked to talk about Dak by their reporters as a player and how he's grown. And at the very end of his answer, Norton mentioned how he handled the contract and how mature he is about and the way he carries himself like that. Like 
you know, it's it's bigger than just the player. So there's just a lot of other intangibles that I already have seen Dak check off those boxes. So even though you might see a player on the field, you're like, ah, this guy's more talented here or yeah. here. Like, there's a lot more that comes with it when you're the Cowboys quarterback. I think we can all agree that we'd take Dak over Goff, Wentz, and Paxton Lynch. Uh, Cowboys Browns, Sunday at noon. We will be back for you um, on Sunday uh, evening. We'll probably record that thing, give you the the review and have all our hot thoughts on whatever the heck happens and what might be a weird one on Sunday with Cowboys and Browns. Make sure that you are subscribing to The Athletic. Go check out the work of John Mishota and Saad Youssef as well. Uh, Bob Sturm with some great football pieces as always. The Stars just finishing as the runner-up in the NHL. Saad was a big part of covering uh, that team as well as Sean Shapiro. And then uh, the Rangers making a little news as their uh, owner, who's kind of a ghost, came out and had a he actually talked today. So Levi Weaver has got you covered on the Rangers front as well. Tim Cato's got you for anything Mavs. We've got you covered here on The Athletic. For our producer, Kent Garrison, for Father John Mashoda, for Saad Youssef, I am Kevin K.T. Turner. We will talk to you Sunday night after we have dinner at the Cheesecake Factory. This has been another episode of About the Cowboys. <laughs>